had visions of the wood heap. The axe was always stuck in the top end of a log. Deep cuts scarred the chopping block from where the axe had embedded itself after having cut through a chicken's neck. A feather or two clung to the dried blood, fluttering aimlessly in the breeze. The solution was obvious. It was all quite simple, really. The following day, I was ordered to dress in my best and only Sunday outfit, as were my elder brother and sister. Over Dad's one and only suit, he wore his usual dust coat. Although our destination of Bega was only ten miles away, because of the road conditions, it took our Ford Model A about an hour to complete the journey. Bega Hospital was situated high on a hill. I remember there being several steep concrete steps and a winding path leading up to the front door. On entering the single room, we found Mum. She was looking very pleased with herself, too pleased for my liking. Well, son, give your mother a kiss, Dad commanded, which I did reluctantly. When I looked up, a lady dressed in white had entered the room. Her head was covered with a veil that extended to her waist. She turned out to be old Merton, the matron in charge of the hospital, and by the look of her, she was someone not to argue with. Old Merton was carrying a bundle, which I suspected would reveal the interloper, who'd come to this world for the sole purpose of replacing me within the harmony of family life. When the bundle was placed beside Mum, old Merton pulled back the clothes. I was shocked. There, before my eyes, was something that resembled a skinned rabbit. Whatever it was, I wasn't pleased about it. I'd been usurped. About a month after this catastrophic event, the school holidays finished and the one-teacher Buckajo Public School reopened for business. As it did so, I was jettisoned out of our house and into a world of education. It wasn't something that I was looking forward to. I tried to explain to all and sundry how I was too young for this new venture and that the four-mile walk to school was way too far for someone with short legs like myself. But my protestations were given no consideration. I was going, and that was it. Mum already had too much to do around the place, like caring for Wilf without having me hanging onto her apron strings getting in the way. My only saving grace was that I was to be accompanied along this trek to school by my elder brother and sister, plus the children from the family that Dad had employed to help milk our cows. These kids were big and strong, and I'd somehow got the idea they were common and Protestant and being so, they wouldn't go to heaven. The biggest of these kids was Bob Curvis. Bob didn't like going to school, so to help him along the way, his father used to take out his stock whip, then get on his horse and force him along as if he were a wayward beast, lashing him with the whip every time he stopped. When Bob eventually arrived at school, he'd never enter the classroom of his own free will. Instead, he'd go and stand with his back to the weather shed, his head hanging low. And there he'd stay with his bare feet moving around on the same spot, 
to avoid the advancing bull ants. This he did day after day after day, until he'd made a deep hole in the ground. And when the rains came and the hole filled up with water, he'd continue to stand there, ankle-deep in mud. His only break from this monotony was when his sister, Amy, would come and give him a sandwich at lunchtime, from which he'd reluctantly take a bite. Buckajoe Public School, with its name tag displayed high up on the front of the building, left no one in doubt as to what it was and that it had been erected in 1911. It consisted of just the one room. A small veranda led to the front door. Hat pegs lined the protected part of the veranda where school bags and hats hung at all.